Three, two, one. I still know Kung Fu. Is that the line that <laughs> Alex just watched yeah. the trailer fresh? We're Sardonic Cast. That, that was from uh, the new trailer from the the Matrix, and I'm Adam from Your Movie Sex. Hello. I'm Ralph from the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm Neo over here. Uh, <laughs> I Neo cool. everything. Yeah, God. Official trailer two for the Matrix. What's it called? Resurrections. Is that what it, I keep forgetting? <laughs> I, what it's called. Yeah, I keep forgetting what it's called too because they've gone through all the like big R words. The Matrix. <laughs> let's get it started. Oh, dude. They were gonna say let's get the R word, but that was in- offensive. So <laughs> not exciting what do you mean it's the most exciting thing ever i'm so hyped. this looks yeah, like one of the classic wachowski dumpster fires i am so excited for this movies mm-hmm. this movies <laughs> this is only one wachowski though right this is just i know it doesn't even matter i don't it's care it's just, like, hilarious. It yeah i was so asking silly. you before adam you said you were really excited for this for like is that like ironic enjoyment because <laughs> this is like <laughs> it looks very schlocky it looks so funny it looks hilarious. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Just when you thought really that schlocky. they couldn't take the franchise any lower, they're like, we've got it. We've got an idea. We can do this. <laughs> uh, they got Keanu yeah, Reeves Do they back. have an idea? That's cool. The, the idea is just they'll probably retcon everything. <laughs> like, yeah, because, why are because they it was wrapped up pretty clean. I don't actually understand the, the context of the trailer really at all. Because they kind of wrapped up mm-hmm. the conflict, and now they've like reset it as a mystery, just because I guess yeah. the nostalgia of the Matrix, and they want Keanu in another one of these. Remember the Matrix? Movies. It is. One and it goes of the beyond most... just member the Matrix because yeah. like it's using a bunch of the exact same scenes and imagery in a way that is like clearly trying to remind you of that original movie, but like none of it looks as stylish or as you know. Oh, of course. Inventive it looks it horrific. It mm-hmm. looks really fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm confused about effects. is like, what, what is this magical person that needs to be reminded of those specific scenes in such an obtuse and obvious way, right? Like, what, what is this person, right? Because if you, if you're watching this new Matrix movie, it's because you already are familiar with the Matrix. You have some sort of nostalgia for it. Mm-hmm. Why would the trailer mm-hmm. explicitly need to spell it out to the point where they're literally showing clips and they have like old footage projected on yeah. like a curtain or something? And it's like, <laughs> you can't just have the characters say the line. You have to have them say the line and then show the clip of the first movie where they said the line. It's like, what is this person that needs that? If you haven't seen The Matrix, then you're not a part of the target demographic yeah. because you're not being influenced was... by the, the nostalgia anyway. So who is this magical person where they need it that spelled out? What? <laughs> it's, it's the nostalgia era, man. It's just it's just the new one. It's the new Matrix. Even though most of the Matrix movies are bad. <laughs> yeah, most are of people them are. excited for this? I don't understand. Check the comments, like, man. They, I guess like 40 Check million. The yeah, the comments are full of uh, hype for it. Yeah. They just want to see, like, Matrix fights again. The trailer has mm-hmm. no dislikes. <sighs> Damn. Well, the one I, yeah, I went on a different one. YouTube changed their dislike either. system. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I hate to break it to you guys. Uh, YouTube, uh, they, they got rid of those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> it's the best idea. Yeah, it's a great idea, right? Mm-hmm. I was looking for how to, like... So, uh, YouTube is full of great ideas. I was looking for how to, like, install some programs. I'm like, I, can't, I don't know if this is a virus or not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah a helpful tutorial forget about it no you don't know if it's good or not yeah exactly uh really helping everybody out yeah um 
So, so I get the Matrix appeal. It's I wasn't a huge fan of it. I liked it, but it's probably like one of the greatest, like most important science fiction movies ever. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they don't just want to like throw that away. But yeah, the movie looks dumb. <laughs> it looks, it looks horrific, and I'm so excited. Yeah, it does look. It just looks kind of dumb, and and like you were saying, the references, it's a little too much. And mm-hmm. you know, it's just the trailer, and already they're throwing everything at you. Like you hear Mr. Anderson, yeah. You hear, you know, all that stuff. All it's of just the like acting looks bad too. Oh, kind yeah. of. I like I like those actors. Who's the guy from Mindhunter? He's he's like um he plays the, the new that Smith part Asian the guy. bad guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that actor. I, I just don't think um that that original part is very iconic. Played by Hugo. Blanking on his name now. Yeah, Hugo Weaving. Yeah, mm-hmm. He does a great job as that part. I think. Oh yeah, like... it's you can't replace him. It's embarrassing. It's like Saw Spiral replacing Tobin Bell. Oh, I'm going to play a game, Mister. Fucking. <laughs> 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 he can't really replace <laughs> Morpheus either. Like, like the fact they didn't bring Morpheus in. Lawrence. Yeah, and what is the reason for that? Like, what it is, is weird. That? Yeah, you might as is well replace like Neo and Trinity. Thing? Yeah. Because I was trying to figure this out and was looking through comments when that first trailer dropped. Because I was confused by this. And yeah, people in the comments were saying like, oh, in some spin-off lore thing, he's like killed or whatever. So this is, so we're going into like extra curricular activities to even understand the jumping off point. And it's like, man, th- this stuff is already like a parody of itself at this point. Like The Matrix is one of the most joked about kind of like movies in like pop culture. Like, how do you make a new one? They couldn't even make sure. two sequels to the first one that were like... Of the same quality. It was so iconic that it got like yeah, carried. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, in we, this we trailer Shrek. too, there's a bit <laughs> of this like tease it. of kind of meta commentary, mm-hmm. maybe of like how they're going to address or explain why they're doing it all again. I'm super curious how they're going to try to explain this or justify why it deserves a new inclusion. But it's going to be dumb, man. If it's going to be dumb, I think that's for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Jupiter Ascending was so funny. <laughs> that was funny. That, that was, was really yeah, funny. That was shockingly bad. I don't know yeah. if it'll be like that, but yeah, it could be. I think it'll be worse. <laughs> it could be. I think it'll be worse. You think it would be worse than Jupiter Ascending? They showed us the best parts in the trailer. The trailer showed us the best parts <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> and you know, Keanu Reeves. And it all looks Keanu so Reeves, bad. I really like him as a person. Not the most consistent actor, no. like in terms of his performances, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, you know, in this movie, nah, he nah. could really go either way. He could either be okay or could be really bad <laughs> in terms of his acting. I have some predictions from the trailer. I think he's sure. going to do a bad job. He's not like a, an actor I have confidence in, unless he's like John Wick or like some like something very simple. I don't know. Yeah, they're yeah. pushing the martial arts in the same way because that was always what he brought to those original movies was sure. just his martial arts skill. And the kind mm-hmm. of physicality he brings. I don't know. Sure. There's just, there's something inherently lost with the way they're presenting the whole digital world too. It looks so fake in a way that it doesn't seem to be intentional. But there is like a kind of grittiness to the original Matrix movie that seems to be totally True. lost yeah. in the in whatever they're trying here. Man. Mm-hmm. I wonder why one of them, one of the Wachowskis didn't join on. Yeah, maybe they could see how much of a bad idea it was. Yeah. After Can you imagine like... Already. 
one of them is just like, we've got to make another Matrix, and the other one's like, no, and they just do it anyway. Like, no, do it by, do it by yourself, yeah. <laughs> I own 50% of the IP. <laughs> I'll just do it. Yeah, just add it to the pile of like just bad nostalgia bait movies. Oh, that's going to be everyone, great. I guess the tide has turned. Like, people want this now. Whereas, like, when it was like Total Recall and stuff, like getting these weird remakes and reboots, it's encouraged now. People like it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been long enough. People have just wanted more Matrix shit, you know? People mm-hmm. just... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's probably going to be huge. I don't know. It's it's one of those universes, too, that's just fun to explore. I don't hate the Matrix sequels that exist, as I've mentioned already. Like, they're bad. They're cheesy. But I I enjoy them, you know? I Not only just nostalgic purposes, but also just being in the universe. They're making another Matrix game now, I think. There's going to be another Matrix video game really? to come out with this movie, pretty sure, is what I heard. Oh, okay. interesting. Okay. It's a, it is a cool universe, but I feel like within the trilogy, they kind of make a an effort to wrap up the whole like conflict. So I'm just confused. Unless the story's set before the end point of that third movie, what is even left to explore, you know? They should just do another uh, Animatrix. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that great, was cool. That yeah. was like cool world building. That was building. so much fun. Just fucking... Uh, do that on Netflix. You know, you could have another Love, Death, Robots sort of thing. Just more Matrix yeah, shit. Yeah, why not? Probably be better. <laughs> the Matrix Awakens is the game. I don't know when it comes it's out. It's coming out soon. I don't know. Apparently they revealed some stuff at the Gay Awards oh, or yeah, something. Oh, yeah, a trailer. Oh, yeah, the Gay Awards. You'd think that this would try to release around the same time as the movie, but I have, I can't even find Awakens. Movie tie-in games are always great. <laughs> Yeah, there's like a demo on Unreal Engine 5. Yeah, I can't find a release date for this video. Ooh, it what looks... the fuck? Okay, maybe it'll come out a year after the movie and everybody will hate the movie. It's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it looks a bit uncanny valley, but... It's going to be one of those weird... Th- I wonder if it's going to be one of those like really polarizing films. I wonder if half of the people are going to love it or something. Is this going to be the last Jedi of Matrix films? Fuck. <laughs> 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 Please don't say that. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's like, yeah. But I guess I'm just so out of touch with the, the general Matrix opinions if like people are fine with this to begin with, whereas I'm just more anti-making a fourth Matrix movie to, mm. to get with, you know? Bring it on. Yeah. I get to watch it from home and laugh. <laughs> I don't have to be in a theater. Thanks, HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, thank God for that, at least. Mm-hmm. It seems so kind of random. Like, why now? Why make another Matrix movie now? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Most, yeah, the cynical side of it, where it's like Keanu's yeah. had this like second coming. It's like a mm-hmm. good move if they want to make a bunch of cash. They've been like advertising it in other movies, like in Space Jam. They'll basically tease. That's right. It. It's like <laughs> just such a valuable IP. I guess they just want to milk it. Yeah. Whatever. I'm just happy Carrie Ann Moss is getting work again. <laughs> it's like. What's she been up to? <laughs> she was doing some voice yeah, acting. Bye, I bye think. Man. <laughs> Did a bit yeah, of she was effects. in Bye Man. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> bye oh, bye. Gay gay man. Bye mm. bye love. Bye. <laughs> don't so think bad. it. That's don't say it. it. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Um, Red Notice was a stupid movie. Oh, you want to get into Red Notice now? Yeah, why not? Okay. This was this was like the most <laughs> successful movie fucking ever. Can oh, was it? For Netflix. I mean, I think it's like the most popular Netflix movie. I could it's tell like the most popular it was Netflix released. movie. Yeah, for yeah, sure. One of the most popular movies way. of the year. 
Yeah. You know, it's got some big stars on the poster. The Gal Rock, Gadot. Deadpool, and um, Wonder Woman. <laughs> in a movie together <laughs> for yeah, some reason. Because <laughs> they're all big names. Exactly. It doesn't matter That's what why. the movie I mean, is. It doesn't really <laughs> they're matter. in right. it. <laughs> and that will determine its success. The movie is just those stars on the poster and you know that's like i guess that's just the marketing that's it it's like look at these stars and, they're in a movie together and people yeah. re they really they're watched it like they actually <laughs> uh -huh. they are playing themselves well ryan reynolds is playing deadpool yeah the others are playing themselves i guess yeah it's, it's like the uh, most bland movie yeah <laughs> it's like imagined. a kind of indiana jones like lame adventure movie like it was what a bad title too like it really doesn't set the stage or like tone at all no, it doesn't yeah. tell you what it's about. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't like it doesn't like imply adventure, like the kind of indie thing it's going for. And yeah, with the whole Ryan Reynolds Deadpool stuff, it 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 really is like it's not us like over exaggerating. His jokes are Deadpool jokes. I know, like, making fun in that like meta way, like acknowledging <laughs> like foreshadowing within the like dialogue and like. Just the same meta humor Deadpool does. It's really strange. Yeah, it was the exact. He's really been same boxed into a corner. Yeah. Like he just plays the same character in every movie. It's really weird. And the same with yeah. The Rock. It's like I'm waiting for the reveal in one of these movies where like all the these generic rock action movies are some part of like a cinematic universe we don't know about yet, and that's how they explain it. Because like, it, dude, it's so generic. You've seen this like picture being shared around where it's like. Four screenshots, four shots yeah, from yeah, four yeah. different movies with a rock in, and it's just <laughs> I'm in the jungle. The same thing. It's just like generic guy in the jungle. I haven't like, seen that. That's really man. funny. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> it, it's it's like indistinguishable from you know your jungle cruises, the the one with Kevin Jumanji. Hart, it's all like the same Jumanji. Yeah, it's all the same shit, and it's just like the most generic action stuff. Also with the Deadpool like humor, relying on loads of references, shoving in awkward celebrity cameos like. Ed Sheeran shows up at the end, who does yeah. reference humor himself. The references are making references now because he's like, "I was in Game of Thrones." It's like, "Oh my god!" That's oh, did he literally say this that? Reference... Oh my god! Yes, he literally. I watched the first it. half of this movie, and then I. Oh right, yeah, I oh, yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, I skipped through I it. Wasn't paying I skipped attention enough <laughs> that I was like, "Oh, the rocks back at the jungle again." Okay, <laughs> and then I saw the ending, and but I was like. like oh. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because it's kind of built up um, to this this twist moment. So spoilers for Red Notice, <laughs> but it's like treated like a huge fucking reveal that the, the Rock is actually kind of the villain of the movie, working with the uh, Gal Gadot the whole time. And it's really like mm. played up, like man, you're seeing something you've never seen before, right? That the Rock playing a bad guy. <laughs> it's like the whole thing in and of itself, right? It's just like no, this is like the most generic adventure movie you've ever seen. Every single beat mm. or cliche you can imagine from these types of movies, it it probably does look better and is better than a, this Uncharted movie that is coming out, which oh is, no, like, don't say I guess that. Going for a similar thing. <laughs> See, I, I bet you yeah, that Uncharted that movie will be worse than this. Really? But that's not to say this is great. Or really? Mm. I yeah. mean, the Uncharted movie looks bad. I'll give you that. I don't know if I would say it looks much worse than this, but I guess we'll see. I also yeah. like. I get irritated by different things. The Uncharted movie, I could imagine, I might be able to like finish. This one was like this. I was in so much pain on this film. Mm. Bad jokes, just like attempts at humor and just understanding that I'm <laughs> that, that I cannot gel with this humor at all and it's like the most lazy 
lazy Big Bang Theory writing ever. I wrote mm-hmm. a couple down because Reference they irritated the media. fuck out of me. Keep making jokes or I'm going to send you to the worst place in the world. Your Instagram account? Yeah, yeah. What the I fuck? What are you? Cool how is that cool a joke? Well. You just referenced Instagram. You just made. You just. You just did a bazinga. You just referenced yeah. something te- technological. That's one of the worst jokes in the movie, and which they bring so up bad. again. Later yeah, they on. bring it up again. Yeah, he like calls it back. Oh, it's so ridiculous. It's so cringe. Like holy mm-hmm. fuck. Haha, <laughs> it's funny. Her Instagram account is the worst place in the world. He that was an insult because that means her Instagram account is a bad place. Haha, <laughs> whoa. Like, <Snap. laughs> fucking dumb that's what a lot of that humor like boils down into it's like referencing like a website or a social media there's that part where he's like oh i got that on etsy the most like just him being quirky the most broad it's not just references at the expense of humor and in replacement of humor but it's also the most broad and easy to get references imaginable like (laughs) oh the guy the guy has face tattoos that's in the kitchen he's post malone (laughs) haha You know, Post Malone, he has the oh, guy yeah, that, that is a bad. famous singer with his face tattoos. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very sad. It gets real old real quick. And to be honest, even before I noticed the bad humor, it was the uh, the level of the product placements that was uh, driving me crazy. <laughs> like it, it, it starts oh, yeah. real quick with like the rock opening a can of coke and pouring it over the golden egg of which gets mentioned so many times so a lot of high c egg talk (laughs) high c is a division of the coca-cola company there we go Mm -hmm. Mm. ryan reynolds like drinking his own gin that you can buy oh aviation (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah in that early it's so tasteless i didn't even realize that's what he was doing (laughs) yeah 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 it's so like I want to break the action. I thought the action scenes were just terrible, like, awful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so bland, and they feel the same. You know, they all feel the same. They feel like a million other movies you've, you've seen. Um, did you did you guys like the turret section, like the car chase? <laughs> and I don't it goes into know like first person. <laughs> it, it, well, this remember. is part. They're like getting chased <laughs> on a truck, and it goes into like first person, like when oh. he's shooting the, mm. the turret. Yeah, like, you know, it's like it's like a video game. It's like first person of like him shooting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, yeah, some really like fake, ungrounded action where they're just all like CG bullshit, like CG cars flying around. It's very obnoxious. It's too over the top. Yeah. And yeah, just mm. the way it's shot, it's like very um, bland. Yeah, but like yeah. <laughs> just the Rock being the main character, um, like ruins the script. They, they, so many times they, <laughs> it like it brings everything to a halt because they have to address the absurdity of the situation. Like, there's a part where, in like a normal movie, if the Rock wasn't like giant and like obviously draws attention like you'd have the main character sneak into the ballroom scene with a mask or whatever but here because it's like the rock he looks hilarious with just like a little mask on trying to cover his body or his (laughs) his stature and they kind of try and embrace it with the humor but it's super weird and awkward i hate it doesn't work i absolutely hate jokes that are like it's all all they're doing is like pointing out an absurdity in something but mm-hmm. the moment you point it out for the audience it makes it less funny too there was a moment yeah, where yeah. he's like why are you wearing a hairnet you're bald it's like if it, if it was just something he was doing in the scene and it wasn't explicitly explained then perhaps there could be like a bit of humor to that but the fact that they have yeah. to say oh there's a joke there <laughs> like 
-hmm. it's so frustrating and annoying it's so cringe i hate it so much like why are we doing this like fuck i hate that it's so it's the Mm -hmm. shit that i that i wrote or maybe that i saw other people write everybody did when they were like 13 you know it's like the laziest most embarrassing just cringe nonsense i can't yeah it's like overly descriptive overly verbal all the time yeah overly describing everything referencing too hard yeah, it becomes really obnoxious after a while. Yeah. Yeah, does, isn't there a part where he literally whistles the Indiana Jones theme of oh. Ryan Reynolds like going down the stairs and <laughs> he, aware. he whistles yeah. it? Yeah, I was not aware. Oof, I don't think I got that far. <laughs> Even as someone that only made it like halfway through the movie and then dipped, like there's so many, there there were so many scenes where it was just like, wow, this this setup is so obvious that there is no payoff because it's just you're telling me what you're doing in the setup and it's there's no mm-hmm. there's no payoff because they, it's just it's just a thing when he says like oh this soap is made out of something pure glycerin and i was like oh nitro he's gonna use it to like where in what other context do you normally hear the word glycerin like that's so obvious mm-hmm. and then when they're <laughs> like why are they letting the prisoners like build the fix fix the hole in the wall and then it's just like let's do a close-up shot on the tiny stone that he that he just places there it's like oh well this is just okay this is obvious what's gonna happen here and i was just like there's no satisfaction to anything because there's no there's no wonder about what will take place there's no question as to what will Mm -hmm. take place it's all just paint by numbers yeah there's definitely no wonder yeah i can't deal with this but at the same time part of me has to recognize that we're just not really a part of the target demographic (laughs) and that a lot of people really love this and if if the objective of the movie is just making something that a lot of people want to watch then in in many ways they they succeeded right we have to Mm -hmm. you know take the l (laughs) in a bit of a way and be like yeah they made that type of movie successfully they they did yeah. create what they wanted to create. We're just not a part of the That's target true. demographic. <laughs> yeah, weirdly similar to the kind of free guy conclusion too, because mm-hmm. that movie resonates. <laughs> it's just it's just a new era. It's a new type of you know acceptance of these. Netflix have just reinvented the. It's just like the the type of mediocrity they're pushing out. Like it's. I don't think this is new at all. <laughs> it's relatively no. new relatively new in, in this grand scheme of like hollywood <laughs> like no i don't think so the no it's like 10 red years notice red notice is the type of movie that we've seen a billion times but just forget about you know how like you look at any decade yeah and but you... now it's on netflix it's different <laughs> yeah but netflix is they're they have money that like theaters do you know i don't yeah, like it's netflix just is just now. creating movies that will do well that's what they're doing and that's why a lot of them are bad Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they fine-tune like, yeah, what people to want hit. to see, and that's what they're giving yeah. us, and it's bad. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I don't think that this is new at all. Like, studios have been doing this forever. Mm-hmm. Because it's on Netflix doesn't mean it's, like, that different. Yeah, the thing is, it, the fact that it's on Netflix makes it different, I think. Like, yeah. these movies used to be released in theaters, and now they're not. Now yeah, they're, it's just it's a different, different format. It's just, it, it's just a different formula. Do you think the sort of lower barrier of entry kind of encourages engagement more too? Because like you don't even have to go anywhere to like watch it. Exactly. Like everyone has I think Netflix. that's it too. 
Yeah, but that's yeah, I mean know, that's everything. That now. wasn't a thing in the eighties. You know, in the eighties, this, this movie would have came out in theaters because there's no other way to see it. <laughs> yeah, and they would have made their money that way. And you, you were know, just like happy just to I mean. fucking get out of the house. <laughs> You're right. The, the <laughs> formula is there. It's 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 the most bland movie ever. Like we said, mm-hmm. it's stars. It's the formula. You know, it's yeah. dumb jokes. <laughs> like Hollywood's been making movies like that for years. Now yep. Netflix is kind of taking that formula, and yeah, they just put it on their site. And who knows if it's if those ratings are even like 100% accurate because they're the ones releasing that. Exactly, as as they're reporting the um, numbers. Yeah, so. but you know, it, it's definitely like, it's got some weight to it. I don't think there's, I don't think it's just like no one watched it. It's a very there's marketable people, I mean, the movie. IMDb user rating is 6.4. That's pretty fucking good for what it is. It is pretty 169,000 ratings too. Yeah, there's a lot of people that watch it. You can just watch it. People there's no love like, Deadpool. audience reaction. Yeah, people just watching kind of like and Wonder Woman. Right in, move on with their lives. Yeah, <laughs> Damn. I see. It, it was no question that this was going to be successful in some way. Like it was, there was no question that people were going to see this. You can't have those three actors in a movie and have people not see it. Yeah, and it's on the it's front page of Netflix. Yeah. So yeah, like even I, I didn't click on it right away, but I'm like, oh, what's this? It's got Dwayne Johnson and it's got Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder what it is. It's got the movie people um, in it. It's a big stars in it, yeah. There's a gag in the movie where Ryan Reynolds says something to the effect of, "Yeah, Vin Diesel has a uh, a tape out there of him auditioning for Cats." Oh yeah. So I looked that up on YouTube, and all the comments were like, "Thanks, Ryan Reynolds, like for this. This is hilarious. Like no, no one referring to like his character name or anything like that. <laughs> of it's course, just, like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. So it's like <laughs> what yeah, character it's name? Just illuminating. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. But I guess that's what people want and like. It's like they're <laughs> friends with Ryan and they're going, like, what's Ryan doing this week? It's like watching Homer yeah. Simpson's, like, new job each week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You just want to see Ryan Reynolds on screen. You Like, it's not about the character <laughs> or the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not, like, invested in anything, right? Why the... F- <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I'm just, like, looking at the IMDb page. Her dress looks so stupid. It's got, like, boob windows under the boob. Yeah, it does. Really bad poster. Like, what the fuck's going on there? Anyway, yeah, the, these are the, th- I don't know, maybe three most obnoxious actors, in my opinion. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, a, a cast mm. in a film that could be more obnoxious than this. I don't think it's possible. I think the only addition they could have made to make it more obnoxious is put Chris Pratt in it. <laughs> and and a cameo. I don't from know. Kevin Hart. They put Chris Pratt. Kevin Hart needs to be Chris, in there as well. Chris Pratt's like I'm, a Kevin meme to, right now. I, what I mean is I'm so tired of seeing these actors. Like Dwayne Johnson has been in a ton of movies this year. Ryan Reynolds has been in a ton of movies recently. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, it's just like I constantly see these guys. I want to see someone new. Chris Pratt I, is the same way. Like he has like five movies in the works. He's Mario. He's he's this. He's, you know, it's like what the fuck. But but at the <laughs> same time, <laughs> We see we see that people are kind of pushing back against Chris Pratt in a way. Some, not everybody. We see the same thing happening with Kevin Hart. Not everybody. But Ryan Reynolds is just so unanimously loved, apart from yeah. like maybe some people in our community or something, right? Mm-hmm. That it's just like it makes it so much more obnoxious that this is like, yes, this is the uh this is the apex of, of what an actor is, <laughs> is uh, or a celebrity or a personality or you know, like this is this is this is the one. Mm-hmm. This is what humanity has settled with. <laughs> like that—that yeah, that just makes Daniel it more. Yeah, I guess that gets under my skin <laughs> not too. Not Anthony yeah. Hopkins. <laughs> like and someone. It's, it's not with, just like, that it's, it's not just that it's all the same Deadpool jokes. It's that they're all bad. Like I didn't even love the humor in the Deadpool movies. 
It was a bit funnier than like yeah. all all this other shit. But like, I didn't even. Yeah. It's not my brand of humor. I'm not really big on like. Uh, he in the middle of explosion, it went slow mo, and he said, "Did I leave the oven on?" And then he kept going. Like that's not my brand of humor. Mm-hmm. It works for a lot of people, not for me. And yeah, so it works for me. Seeing seeing this just continue to replicate that he was born to it's play really Deadpool low and only Deadpool. <laughs> kind of kind of his curse. There's a reason why so many different writers are able to replicate the exact same thing is <laughs> because it takes no talent to write those kind of Deadpool jokes. There's a reason why he's playing the same character and having the same caliber of jokes and same writing across so many different properties with completely different writers that have never talked to each other. Mm-hmm. It's because it takes no talent to do. <laughs> like That's why there's consistency. Yeah. I like Deadpool. I like both the Deadpool movies. Um, there was definitely much more of a novelty to it when it came out because it was kind of fresh you know like remember the superhero burnout mm-hmm. and um all that and like this that was kind of a fresh take on superhero movies and that fourth wall breaking that wasn't really like much of a thing at that point um so deadpool kind of made that popular yeah. and i yep. think it works in those movies but you know how many fucking times can you do the same jokes i mean deadpool's pretty old yeah, now it's, it's like been a couple years of years later. like you know it's really time to old. do something else like it's still the same deadpool shit yeah i mean you're right in that way i just think deadpool's much better than this mm-hmm. I and mean, reference humor yeah but there was at least a novelty to it then because mm-hmm. it was um not really popular like yeah. it is now it's the copycat yeah. nature it's that so bothers me because i'm fine with it in deadpool as mm-hmm. well it fits and it's like true to the character and everything and it has more going on it's got the, yeah. like gratuitous violence and yeah it's the commentary on the superhero stuff true. but well this isn't like a it's not trying to like a deconstruct a fucking national treasure type movie or anything like that it's, it doesn't have that much like cleverness going on it's just like a really generic just adventure movie with these three characters on the poster. You just know everything about it from that poster. If you get something from that Red Red Notice poster, then you'll like this movie. If you see Gal Gadot there in that red dress and it makes you want to watch it, then it's for you, you know? If you see Ryan Reynolds just staring you down on that poster and that tickles you, then this is for you. (laughs) If you see The Rock glaring at you and that puts you off, it's definitely not for you. (laughs) And I'm in that camp. It tickles you. (laughs) Tee this movie's cancer three out of ten i know you might think that's pretty high but as i said not the target demographic they made the movie that they were trying to make you know at the end of the day you got to give them some credit for that so <laughs> yeah yeah it's three yeah that's fun. i've definitely seen worse like i was probably more bored by that tomorrow war with chris pratt speaking of chris pratt like that is like true oh, generic okay. to me i mean not that this isn't oh, really? like true generic yeah, yeah. but i don't know i liked it like slightly more than something like that I thought, I thought that movie was so stupid that i i liked it a little bit more <laughs> it was it was tomorrow war is stupid and it keeps me glued really in because stupid. i'm angry and i and i'm like trying to f- understand how the th- how the universe works but it doesn't care mm. <laughs> how it works and so i'm just i guess yeah this yeah, doesn't even that, have that, the anger that's like a fun little deconstruction for me and i just keep following it whereas Red Notice, I, <clears throat> I can't deal with those shit jokes. And nothing's happening anyway. Like, there's nothing... There's nothing... It doesn't matter if I'm following the plot or not in Red Notice. Yeah, exactly. You know? I'm more indifferent I don't have to interpret to anything. I felt like no emotion. The Tomorrow War released the same way, but they were both just kind of put on streaming. You mm-hmm. know, like, they just came out. I'm like, what the fuck's this? And I watched it. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Uh, <laughs> both were huge successes, like, aren't they? I like... 
anticipation <laughs> you know don't you don't you like anticipation like knowing when a movie's gonna come out mm-hmm. like a year before or a few months before you have like a trailer and just like build up i kind of like that it like builds your anticipation of the movie it gets your mind racing people build like expectations mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and like now they just like dump a movie on netflix and it's just like okay it sucked it's like no wonder it sucked you weren't looking mm-hmm. forward to it you didn't even know it existed five minutes ago and then like it's just gone it's very um it's a very disposable movie and it's very bland i thought i would probably go with a three out of ten like adam Mm -hmm. but i don't feel strongly about it at all yeah i felt much much stronger about um this director's previous movie uh, skyscraper that was (laughs) like one of the ones that broke me um that was also much funnier in my mind like I had fun making fun of skyscraper. Oh yeah, just, that was, <laughs> was like so much an fun. Action yeah. movie, like it's just such a bad idea all around. Fun to make it's fun like of. Shitty Die Hard. Yeah, this is just like generic. Yeah, PG thirteen Die Hard. I might, yeah, I might even uh, score this what two stars out of five. That's fair. It's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just nothing. Just a nothing. Slightly below average. Exactly what you'd expect from this director. Do you think Ryan. it's uh, worse than Free Guy? Do you think Free Guy's worse? Um, Free Guy personally annoyed me more because of the subject matter, I think. Mm. Uh, sure. Maybe splitting hairs. Yeah, but... I would definitely describe that as splitting hairs, though. But you also just get have, have more Ryan Reynolds, which uh, I guess is depending on how you feel about him. Or <laughs> tickle you or not tickle you. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So uh, there was a film recommendation. And I recommended it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so spoilers for uh, Shatan Tongo uh, is how the director pronounced it. So I, I so hope that that's, we, oh, that's, that's how you say it. Okay. I'm scared but, to say the title. Yeah. <laughs> Shatan Tongo. Shatan Tango. Is how he said uh, it. Okay. Directed by Bela Tar. If I, I don't know if I pronounced that right. But it does translate to Satan's Tango. So I thought I was being silly when I called it Satan Tango before, but apparently that's just okay. what it is. That makes okay. sense. It is yeah. uh, considered to be his uh, his masterpiece. It's seven hours and 19 minutes long. <laughs> that makes it pretty unique. Very unique. It's not the only long film yeah, I've seen. And, you know, you could... I've uh, yeah, I've seen... I've binged a miniseries that was longer than that in one day. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. so continuous story in that way. So I don't really yeah. see much. Of well, a we difference, could talk so. about television, right? We could talk about TV and like the length of that. Yeah. There's a lot of movies too, or not a lot, but there's movies that are about like really long, mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's like another really famous, like great one that's like you know five hours long. I think. Yeah, I'm check my Norte end of history was them. great. That was about five hours long. Oh yeah, same director okay. made the woman who left, which I'll be watching for my 2016 list. I think that's like six hours or some shit. Yeah, there's there's a few long movies out there. Uh, this one is it is uh, famous and infamous for a few different reasons. One of them being the length. Spoilers mm-hmm. for this movie. There's some disturbing stuff in it too. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll like kind of get into that. I have mixed feelings on it. I guess I'll, I I don't want to get too specific into that. I do want to hear what both of you think about it first. I feel like. Uh... My experience with uh, Gene Delman, Delman, mm-hmm. that movie changed my outlook on the, the the runtime of movies and the certain limitations maybe that we put onto them and what can come with experimenting with a timeline and the length of a movie. Um, and I, I didn't really know much about it, but in before jumping in, I read that it was about 
the kind of fall of communism in Hungary, um, sort of late 80s sort of time period, which is like a really fascinating setting in my mind that I couldn't wait to see explored. But yeah, that runtime is off-putting and a huge barrier to entry. And <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm torn in terms of I I have a deep respect for this movie, and there was so much about it that I really enjoy, and I'm continuing to enjoy and get more out of the more I read about it, the more I think about it, certain imagery that sits in my head, the overall mood of it. I wasn't expecting it to be kind of as confusing and experimental with the whole its structure which i'm sure we can talk about with the whole mm -hmm. tango aspect and reading that it was also kind of based on a also sort of infamously confusing book i think helps mm -hmm. wrap your head around it too because i could imagine a lot of the more confusing elements working very well in a novel sort of setting where you do get to kind of hear inner monologues and whatnot that gets lost when it's uh purely film and you don't rely purely on narration or whatever but mm -hmm. at the same time i was still just so bored at certain parts it's plodding it is plodding but it's mm -hmm. intentionally plodding and any suggestion to cut down its plodding nature i feel like would defeat the whole point of it kind of in a gene delman kind of way where it is about the misery of these characters and the misery of the setting and exploring the misery that comes from power structures shifting in this way and people who are left on the outskirts and dealing with that and the <laughs> the setting does it all like feeds into a central theme and mood that i really enjoy but um i would not blame mm. anyone for being put off by that runtime because that is that is a big part no. of the discussion <laughs> yeah, what yeah. You about you, that's like the talking point <laughs> um yeah i don't know i feel the same way as you gene dealman's a good one to bring up uh you know, I feel it's kind of the same way. I really like it. Got really good around the the five hour mark. <laughs> it's like a joke. Like I came up with. You know, it's just I don't know. It's yeah. It's like a seven hour long fucking film. It's a very hard film to sit through. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, did you? Uh, by the way, did you do all in one sitting, both of you, or no? I paused it and like got up a couple times, a few times. I stopped at the first intermission and then went to bed, watched the mm. rest of it in one chunk the yeah. next day. I can't say That's I was paying I attention 100% because it's just so long. You know, even um, I, I think TV is a good thing to bring up now because at the time of this movie, there might have been like a really like a, a, a great aspect to it. Like it's this really epic story. It's very grand scale. It's seven hours long. Now we have television and we have shows like Succession and Breaking Bad that tell stories over like hours and, and flesh out those characters and, you know, like that that idea I think is kind of dated and and also like the the episodic nature of television makes it just like a little more digestible, I think. Yeah. Like it flows the different, episodes yeah. have a structure and you know, cliffhangers that make them much more watchable, mm -hmm. which is why I think I can watch like five episodes of succession, like and, and not really this. It's a different <laughs> um, pacing. But yeah, yeah. this is like a film. I mean, it's very different. I just I can't really wrap my mind around sitting in a theater and watching a seven-hour movie like all the way through i think that's i think that's a lot to ask of someone and um but this is still like like from what i've read about it and um just knowledge of it it's a it's an important movie um it's well shot like the acting's good 
um, it's just really um, that length is really daunting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, reading that it only has about 156 shots in the entire movie. Yeah, for that's crazy for that running time too is is actually crazy when you're looking at like thousands for like a normal kind of Hollywood type movie. <laughs> like the first shot of the movie is just like a like farm animals, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's like eight minutes of like cows yeah. on the farm. That's what I mean. Like it starts with that. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I So the uh, fan base around this film, and I guess like by extension around like Bela Tarr, I've, I've read into this. I've seen uh, a particular video essay even that uh, was featured on the Blu-ray and that somebody actually linked in our subreddit recently called uh, Orders of Time in, in Motion, a video essay by Kevin B. Lee. Yeah, and I watched that, that and there was there was some really, really interesting stuff in there talking about how the an interpretation for the the cows at the beginning would be like, oh, okay, so we're watching the cows escape, not watched by humans, going away from their normal environment. You could make a parallel between uh, the human beings that are later thrust from their environment, uh, leaving the village under circumstances, blah blah blah. You know, there are parallels there. There are obviously certain shots that are you know really clearly sort of like a existing to to show contrast between situations and where characters are at so you have the doctor at the beginning and then you have Mm -hmm. him like sitting in his chair with the notes or whatever and then like later in the film when he comes back from he was at the hospital i think you can Mm -hmm. see just like how the environment's changed and how the shot mirrors itself or yeah there was the sorry there's there's so many characters and so i'm just trying to remember their names yeah, too. The naming one of them i just i think of as fedora man he had <laughs> almost a fedora mm-hmm. at some point <laughs> fedora the guy man. the guy who went to the police and made the report or whatever um and you see like the swooping camera mov- movement amount around the table when they're constructing their report and then when the police are rewording the port you uh, report you see the same sort of swooping camera angles. So there's there's definitely some intention in the film that I like. And the other really interesting notable one that I'll bring up here is um you mentioned that the uh number of shots in the film is incredibly low especially for 7 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This video essay mentioned that uh the scene with the most shots in them is the one at the police station near the beginning and it's the only scene that is shot in kind of a a b shot reverse shot sort of way where mm-hmm. the average length of a shot there is only like a few seconds and it's done in more of a traditional uh hollywood film production sort of way and that's the only scene in the movie and so the interpretation there that a lot of people seem to agree on is um that this is a commentary on uh i guess the need for order because that's what the officer is lecturing about in that scene at that moment in time. He's like, mm-hmm. he's talking about how there needs to be order because blah, 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 you know, people oh, interesting. Aren't, aren't able to do okay. that. And so it's a commentary on like, okay, the order of filmmaking, uh, the old style of filmmaking, this, this already existing uh, structure versus, I don't know, creating a seven hour movie with <laughs> like ridiculously long mm-hmm. shots. So I like those parallels yeah. there. Yeah, However, interesting. Yeah, sure. I think, that there is a lot <laughs> of of overinterpretation, even within this video review that I, I found very sub, uh, substantial and very interesting for much of it. Half of it is just like 
insane nonsense. I don't know if you watched the whole thing, Alex. Did you? Did you? Or I did watch the whole thing, um, and I picked up on the same things you did, like a uh, the 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 cow thing, especially. And there is just a a lot of symbolism with animals in the movie, which I was pick, picking up on, and even the way you're kind of led around the movie in these long, fucking minute long shots, where you are led around, kind of like a cow, where you are going to the slaughterhouse sort of thing and i like all that sort of animal farm mm -hmm. imagery but yeah i was kind of stuck on a similar thing where it's like yeah how much of this am i projecting onto it out of sheer sort of boredom in yeah some of these shots because i i get i didn't feel it as much during dialogue scenes because i felt I was able to just interpret a lot more from what they were saying and the 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 holding shot on a on like a single character while they are monologuing for a long time you get really interesting unique performances out of actors that way they're just given so much more room to play around and improvise and there is a kind of improvisational nature to the the way the dialogue comes across but when it is minute long like sequences of characters like refilling their drink or having a lunch break or walking for a while like uh, after a few minutes I, I do feel like i understand the point and i i do think the framing and composition of basically every shot is pretty much perfect for, for what i'm like looking for it looks like you're almost like going through a gallery of photographs like moving photographs it's it's like stunning in the in the disgusting misery it's showing but it really does it does push you. It is intentionally pushing you, I think, like to just see what you can get away with almost and what emotional reaction you get from that. I think it, I think it's not just... Sure. Um, I, I, I agree that there are plenty of opportunities for over-interpretation in this film. It is, it's almost a film that kind of warrants that in a way it's it's uh it attracts mm. that sort of attention and i don't think it's just because of the length i don't think it's necessarily out of boredom i think it also has to do with its presentation the fact that it is mm -hmm. a very atypical length of a film so when i say not just because of length it's not just because like oh i'm i'm so bored i need to think of things but also just the expectation of having a film that stands out and says yes i am seven hours and 19 minutes long not only that yes i am a film that is in black and white you know, and and <laughs> I I think a lot of that does do a bit of the work for the film in terms of like what it's going for, in terms of what the expectations for the film are, and what its uh, perceived quality is. And not to say like, oh yeah, this film's just a bunch of bullshit, and anybody who likes it uh, is stupid or anything. Whatever some people think, I wind up saying whenever I say something like that. Hmm. But yeah, if you look at uh, that video essay, which again was featured on the Blu-ray. About half of it is just fucking insane. It like it's it's just the most bonkers like nonsense that doesn't make any sense to put in a video essay. Mm -hmm. A good chunk of it is so because this film is told in a non chronological way. There are certain scenes that are essentially recreated. So when the doctor mm -hmm. is confronted by the girl and before he chases after in, in the through the trees, uh, you have the scene where. Oh, fuck i forget his name from the beginning is like hiding behind the house and uh then goes and confronts the other guy and knocks on his door and so there are certain mm -hmm. scenes in this film that are recreated from different perspectives or the landlord yelling uh, at the the villagers as they're leaving and so this video essay that is on the blu-ray spends a good 10 out of its 20 minute runtime talking about like 
you'll notice that the first time that we see these characters, the the pacing is a little bit different. The girl, the the doctor falls slightly earlier in this one than he does after this. In this one, the girl runs away three seconds after, and he's like, he's heavily implying that this is all intentional and not just a normal thing that happens when you try and recreate the exact same thing. First of all, I'm sorry, if you look at interviews of Belatar, he says they don't even use scripts on set, right? Like, mm-hmm. some of this is kind of improvised, yeah, so especially considering sense. that in his own filming techniques, right? Like, it's a normal thing like almost every single movie that's ever tried to go like oh and here's what happened from this angle they've never done it perfectly because it's very difficult to get it perfect and yet this mm-hmm. th- half of this vid- video essay is like oh but uh, perhaps this oh i gotta f- find the quote here it's like absolutely incense in incense it's absolutely insane let's see so yeah I-, I just wrote down some of what happened in this video essay because i found it fucking insane uh, the quote is, putting these movements side by side reveals discrepancies. Here, uh, Futaki leaves 15 seconds earlier. Are these discrepancies unintentional effects that mark the difficulties of maintaining continuity when filming a seven-hour feature film? Or can one describe these differences with cinematic significance, if not an outright intention? And so, he sh- yeah, he shows a few of them. Are these discrepancies between the shots meant to convey how different characters perceive time and space? <laughs> Are they meant to reveal the gap between external, <laughs> yeah, external sort of objective appearance of reality and internal subjective experience? And that even in the same shared moments, characters are tragically disconnected from each other by their own perceptions. This is like everything I hate about video essaying. Like, there's some of this shit yeah. on YouTube, too, where it's like, man, you just said nothing in a lot of words. <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. and the tone of it and like the... Uh, it, it just like the movie where it's like the implication of like yes I am very educated you know but you're not really saying anything not to say that the movie doesn't yeah, yeah. say anything but there's a lot of parts in the movie that don't say anything that people overinterpret the fuck out of is what I'm saying yeah like holy shit sure. that's I encourage people to watch that video because it's literally half of it is just f- fucking insanity mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't understand yeah, yeah. why anyone would put that in a video that was like when I fucked up at the beginning of my Synecdoche New York review and talked about like the, oh, the yeah. clock the for like five minutes yeah. or whatever but that was mm-hmm. like uh-huh. I don't know how how many years ago was that like seven years ago yeah, and that's I was like, like one yeah. thing I actually thought that was cool I'm like oh yeah the text thing with the clock mm-hmm. or whatever um yeah I, I feel like I try to avoid that video essays like trying to sound like a loon <laughs> you know like I'd, yeah. I'd rather say nothing <laughs> I'd rather say nothing than try to sound like fucking crazy. I guess it shows you the passion like behind this movie though that this this video essay is What had. bugged me about that is it felt like he was trying to fill up time and didn't have more to say about the movie so oh, half of the okay. essay that's, it was like that's true. was he paid yeah. by the company to make a essay for the Blu-ray and then you know, they said it needed to be 20 minutes, but he only had 10 minutes worth of shit to say about the movie? I don't know. I'm trying not to be mean <laughs> here, but like legit half of it is is just showing that there are slight differences in the timing of certain recreated scenes and then holy fuck that that quote of just is this to highlight the difference between objective and subjective (laughs) reality like holy shit you could say that about anything it wasn't a strong you could take like the scenes from pulp fiction and say that like every single movie almost every single movie that's ever tried to recreate scenes like that has done it with different pacing Mm -hmm. you can't have it perfect Unless you're filming two angles at once, or mm-hmm. unless you edit it in very strategic ways, I'll have to rewatch uh, Gus Van Sant's Elephant because I remember there were um, some interesting ways that that was done, where he basically like 
you could tell that some of the audio was taken from the other take, but you couldn't see the character's face. So they were oh, able okay. to use the previous yeah. takes audio, stuff like that. Like it is possible, but d- having a few seconds of difference <laughs> in what what a character does, that's not a that's not a unique discrepancy. That's a normal thing for a movie. So yeah, there's some I, I some people overinterpret the fuck out of this movie is what I'm going to say. But mm-hmm. um and also I I'll I'll let you guys talk a bit more if you have more to say about it. I've still got to rant a bit. <laughs> I really don't. Too. I really don't have anything right, to say about this. <laughs> go ahead. All right. So this is gonna. There, there are some people that are gonna be mad at me. So I've seen, I've seen three Bellatar films now. Well, two and a half, I, I guess. The Turin Horse was my first experience. That was a very, very, very slow movie. Uh, not as long. I saw it in 2011 at a film festival in in Vancouver, and I had brought a coworker from my work. I worked at Best Buy at the time, and you know, this was our first time hanging out outside of That's work. Fun. And I didn't realize it was going to be one of these, like, oh, my God, slowest movie ever sort of thing. And so part of my experience watching that movie was also me being like, okay, I don't even know if this guy's seen a single art film, right? And so we, like, we left before it was over. And I was like, yeah, this is really slow. I don't know if I ever want to give it a second chance again. Because not only did this movie not supremely wow me in that sense, but there's something about Bela Tarr there's like some part of his brain missing that allows him to not be annoyed when he plays the same song over and over and over and over (laughs) again, the entire movie in a loop that just goes forever. And it's like a 10 second loop. That's what happened in the Turin horse too. They got, they got the composer to make like a really good song when the horse is on the carriage and like moving towards and like some nice string Mm. instruments. And then he spams it the entire movie. It's like every fucking 10 minutes, it's like a punchline and he's playing the exact same song over and over again. There is literally one song in the film, the Turin horse, and they play it throughout the entire movie. This film, the seven hour long, uh, Tongo, uh, is not nearly as bad, but there are long sequences where just the same fucking loop plays over and over again. Some of the music in this movie was just straight up bad. Some of the music in this movie where I could like I could hear the uh, weightlessness of the the shitty synthetic keyboard bullshit <laughs> that that they were yeah, that they were using. And I was too. thinking just like, what child wrote this? What child wrote the <laughs> the score for this? It was so sloppy. You could hear <laughs> these like weirdly it doesn't even sound like intentional it's 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 but of course then a massive Bailatar fan would find some metaphorical reason why it is intentional they'd say like no the uh the situation of the villagers is re- represented in how the song it sounds imperfect and blah 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 and i've made those arguments before with something like uh uh, like uh, her, the soundtrack for her. I thought that it actually fit really well mm-hmm. for Arcade Fire to use a not you know super well tuned piano. But the playing never felt sloppy. The playing never felt like it was literally being done by a f- four year old, right? <laughs> and it didn't loop forever. It didn't loop forever. <laughs> I don't know what part of his brain is missing where like he's somehow not able to get annoyed by that. But it's absolutely nuts. And then when we get to the actual tango scene, I've still got that song in my head. I've only seen the movie once. I can tell you. Right now, how part of it goes, it goes fucking forever. Mm-hmm. And then the longer the shot goes, so it, d- some directors that I really love, like Michelle Hanukkah, uh, I broken record, I know I love bringing him up a lot, but you know, the, the shot in Amour, uh, where you see the entire crowd of people, and it goes on for so yeah, long, the longer that you watch shot. the shot, the more you're able to soak in, the more you're able to see like little details, the more you watch the movie. You can watch it a second time and be like, oh wow, like that performance over there in the corner is like really natural. There's tons of extras a lot of things happening when i see a bela tar film the longer a shot goes on for the more imperfections 
I'm able to notice. The longer the shot went on for of mm-hmm. the the uh, the actual tango scene where everyone's dancing, the more I'm noticing just how fucking awful the accordion playing is. It doesn't look like he's playing the accordion at all. It's like he's doing like look at his fingers when he's doing it. It looks so cringe. It's like the piano playing in in fucking what what's that one take movie? Victoria. Victoria. It's like as cringe as the piano playing in Victoria. And I wouldn't Mm. notice it if the shot didn't go on for so long, but it did. And so I'm able to soak in more things that are wrong about it. In that scene, notice how like nobody's saying a fucking word. There's no single like, yeah, or woohoo or anything. No words being spoken to each other, but they're like kicking each other and doing all this weird shit. It seems so fake and phony and unnatural. I don't understand. The longer that it goes on for, the more I notice how much I hate it. (laughs) Right? And then that loop just plays forever. And it's like, it's the most irritating thing in the fucking world i can't understand it i just don't know what it is about his fans or him that are able to just hear imagine an alarm going off for like 24 hours or something just beep 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 that's what it translates Mm -hmm. to me as when i hear the exact same loop of the song like a 10 second loop play on for fucking 10 minutes i can't stand it i don't know how anybody else can they don't just do it with the music too. There's some uh, bits of dialogue where they do that sort of thing as well, right? There's like the the drunk guy who's repeating the same line over and over yeah. again for minutes and minutes. It almost like puts you in a trance. It's really, it's really quite odd to experience, and it's it's part of why I, I I'm glad I watched this movie. I feel like I got uh-huh. a valuable experience. Not that I want to rush back to see it anytime soon, but I just feel like. It's so kind of audacious to to push it to this level, you know, to push it to this extreme, the seven and a half hours, but putting in that like meticulous design with that camera work with, uh, I didn't really notice the like in that, like in that tango scene, the music playing, I'm sure I would on a rewatch now, but it's so that, crazy. That was one of the it's scenes so I really enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I just like fell into it after a few mm-hmm. hours. I had such an interesting experience. Like, I I really enjoyed the first couple hours as it was setting up, and I was just curious as to where it was going. And because I wasn't familiar with this director, I wasn't familiar with the style. I thought maybe it was gonna the shot length was gonna vary as it went along or something, or if it was how just how experimental it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. And I did find myself getting attached to this kind of tango structure. The two steps back one step forward kind of idea and the kind of confusing narrative that is mm-hmm. built from that i i do agree it doesn't fully come together for me and i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of muddiness to it that is yeah it's easy to attribute the kind of you can fill in the gaps with the setting and yeah the historical and the kind tone of background mm-hmm yeah, I guess that's why that consistent tone and I was enjoying the performances and just the reveling in the nihilism, the misery of it and this kind of false prophet character who's fucking with everyone and just lying mm-hmm. and manipulating these poor people like they are just like farm animals just being like used and abused for seven hours. And it's so like gratuitous with yeah. the, when it breaks down into like the kid and we haven't talked about the... The, like cat stuff and the, yeah and masochism yeah. that comes out and... that was the, like okay so sorry i'll let you talk about it first <laughs> yelled for forever. well yeah that that was one of the things that I, I didn't like obviously was the the cat stuff um it, and it's one of the more controversial parts of the movie when when reading about it it does upset a lot of people and cat lovers should be warned i guess that there's some pretty pretty horrible uh, 
for animal abuse recorded. Uh, and I, I guess that it was explained as like there was a vet on set and it was apparently the director's like own cat or something, but it's still mm. it's disturbing to watch. Um, it reminds me of like a cannibal holocaust type thing where they're like, <laughs> I don't know if I really get down with injuring animals for this stuff. I don't know if it's fully necessary for the yeah. artistic intent oh yeah achieve <laughs> similar things without having to do that the the uh on the wikipedia plot summary during that scene let's see if i can find uh yeah here we are uh the the quote on wikipedia somebody wrote she tortures and poisons her cat to death for some reason <laughs> like literally wrote the words for some reason in the wiki plot summary because there isn't really a good reason why she is doing it or why the movie should include it um i have an article where uh Belatar responds to the questions about the cat um so people asked him about like uh the issue of like animal wel- welfare his response is are you crazy he snaps, it says in the article. I had two cats at home. Can you believe that I would kill a cat? Never. First of all, we knew the cat scene was coming, and we knew that the cat would have to rehearse with the girl. Every day in the hotel room, they would do this kind of turning game. By the end, the cat was used to this and did not care. Uh, he continues, we knew the cat has to die, so I called my vet, who was looking after my cat at home, and he came to the location. I told him, you have to give her a sleeping injection. We will push the button on the camera when you give us the sign that the cat is getting dizzy. We shot on a signal, and the cat fell asleep. The whole crew stood around waiting for 25 minutes until she started to wake up. It was totally okay. The cat did not have any trouble. Believe me, all the cat noises you hear are samples that we found from the sound archive on the internet because the cat was totally silent. Okay, there's his excuse. I still think he's fucking dishonest. He's fucking bullshitting. I don't think, like, oh, yeah, he killed a cat on set, but, like, cats are not actually acting animals i'm sorry when the like yeah. you can see no. the discomfort in that dogs cat. stop fucking so. lying mm-hmm. to people you <laughs> dishonest piece of shit like, i, come I on. talk about this in nine lives Do- like, yeah cats are not cooperative really at all you can't get a cat to <laughs> no, fake an emotion are. for the camera that's not what was happening that you uh, if you have any understanding of like <laughs> animal body language or anything like its ears are like pulled back it's like clearly under distress like, that's really fucking yeah. obvious, and you can't it's fake uncomfortable. that shit. So, unless he's gonna... I mean, he's dead now, so he can't really explain that part. So, unless he was gonna explain that, <laughs> like, by having, like, the super acting cat that just is able to perform emotion for the camera in a way that no cat has ever done in history that, I, like, that, <laughs> that would be the only, yeah, every I day yeah i i think <laughs> i've he's never heard anyone rehearsing with a cat yet. either either he <laughs> knows he's dumb. lying or he has such a little under like such such a low understanding of like empathy <laughs> that he doesn't understand when the <laughs> when the cat is actually under distress like he's either lying or he's a piece of shit or both right so but they like suspend yeah. it from like a mesh sack and stuff too. It's like, how do you explain? Yeah, you don't. Yeah. It's, it's clearly under distress. <laughs> and the fact that he's lying about it after is just like really cringe. But just be honest about it. Fucking own it if you're going to do that in a movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel there's like a really great, maybe two and a half, three hour movie in here somewhere. Right? <laughs> like that I could actually watch all the way through. And I'm like, wow, that was actually really great. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's a little too daunting for me at this point, and I think I gave a good reason, <laughs> like I, why I don't want to sit through a seven hour fucking thing. The fact that it's seven hours didn't negatively impact my experience at all. It was slow. You can have a movie this slow that's short, like the tour and horse. You can have a movie that's this slow but shorter, and I still feel the exact same way about it. When I heard that this was based off of a novel, 
Uh, my expectation was like, oh, finally, we're going to get a film that translates the entire novel without having to summarize it. And it's just going to feel like a long story. And for the first however long of the movie, like, I don't know, 30 minutes, it really seemed like it was going to mm. be that way. I was actually pretty, I was pretty engaged and, and interested an in the conflict idea. of these characters. Sure. And I loved the sound design of, you know, when, when they're talking about the plot to steal the money and the clock's just ticking. And I'm like, wow, that sound design choice is adding so much tension and excitement mm-hmm. to the scene that would otherwise just be like two people talking sort of thing there's a lot that i loved about it but over time slowly it's just like wow the length is totally not justified at all you could tell the exact same story in like three hours and it would be totally fine like i don't there's there's key parts of the movie that are sticking out in my memory of things that i enjoy or even things that i dislike but most of it is just like really unnecessarily long in a way where it's just like Sure, like it, it's respectable because it's ballsy to be like, yeah, I'm making a seven hour and 19 minutes m- movie, whatever. But I was um, I was really hoping for something where it felt like seven hours and 19 minutes worth of story, <laughs> not just the shots were longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that was more of my expectation too. And um, I, I read something interesting about the book because th- this this kind of screams out to me as one of those books that you would imagine would have one of those reputations as being like don't even attempt this in like cinematic form like you can't do something like dune like the the tango structure and everything is really really ambitious and then adding in the 7 hour runtime is a crazy idea but i read that every chapter in the book is a long paragraph which does not contain line breaks which makes me wonder if that was hmm this excessive length was his sort of way of trying to adapt that that type of storytelling trying to push it through that i'm mm. i'm i'm honestly way more intrigued to read the book over watching this again um which i don't know if that's a, a failure on the film's behalf that sounds but interesting. I, I do think yeah. there's something really yeah, interesting i mean how it is yeah I, there is something that really interesting about that structure to me and just it's totally unique um i i haven't really seen a film like this before and I, and I don't know how i would ever really just with that setting too and everything in the historical context i really find it expressive for the for what it's going for for that fall of communism for the like depravity the lack of like self-worth and lack of purpose that is portrayed mm-hmm. it does achieve that well but I, yeah, I don't know how far I can defend it if I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even really willing to rewatch this anytime soon. If there weren't such irritating aspects in this movie, then I would watch it again. What's what's honestly preventing me from even considering mm. watching this film a second time is a lot of those music annoyances that I mentioned earlier. Like I can't deal with that. Like that was that was like hell. That was so right. irritating and grating. Like it's. Yeah, it it, it sounded like a fucking child playing yeah. on a keyboard, and then they looped it. Like, I'm sorry, you can't. How <laughs> how <laughs> how do you put that in a movie? <laughs> it's so honestly just so cringe. It is draining. It's a it's a draining project, and extremely pessimistic in nature. It's like this this lead character is. I mean, he he basically is a nihilist. He's talking about how like the little value and the meaninglessness of everything around him and the scathing way he describes mm-hmm. the people of the village and how he's just like a sociopath and just doesn't care about anything yeah. or anyone. Uh, I like that kind of relationship. There's substance the in the movie. Hierarchies that form. There's like tons that. of substance in the movie. I, there's th- things about it that I mm-hmm. like, but I almost like more 
in the context of a conversation about the film than I do watching the film. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, you do have to bring up the question of the... I think mm -hmm. it was in one of the Mark Kermode like books I read. He was talking about reading films over watching them. And I do feel like it it's one of those for me where it kind of I found myself reading it and just falling into it that way, maybe as opposed to getting enjoyment from mm -hmm. watching it. And is enjoyment even the right word? Like it it's not even really looking for your enjoyment. It's just kind of it 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 is what it is. It's putting it out there. Mm hmm I mean I, I love Jean Dillemont. I love that movie. And I, the second time I watched it, I loved it much more than the first, and I might love it even more on my third, you know? Like, there's nothing in mm. that film that is just so irritating and grating that they would put in there. There's nothing in that film that makes me cringe because of how bad it is. There's maybe, like, one <laughs> effect, like, I'm not going to say what it is, it's a spoiler, but there's, like, one moment where I'm like, ah, oh, that could have been done a little bit better. But that's about it, it, like, in the entirety of the film. Whereas in this, in Belatar's films, this one also, it's just, like, I love, if I'm going to see a movie like this, if I'm going to see a movie that's, like, seven hours, 19 minutes long, black and white, very slow and methodical, the implication of having something that's slow and methodical like this, I would love to see something where there's an, a, a, an overwhelming sense of control from the director. It, intent and control and precision. That's what I'd love to see if, if this type of tone or style is going to be reflected. And I just don't get that watching Belatar's films. Again, as I mentioned, the longer that I look at a shot, the more the phoniness reveals itself. There was another shot with the um, the doctor looking through the binoculars and that like border cut out of like the binoculars thing. And, you know, if the shot wasn't so long, then I might just be like, oh, interesting. This is from, uh, you know, this guy's perspective over here. And it would happen quickly mm -hmm. enough for me not to notice the inherent phoniness of it. But because it went on for so long, I'm like, how the hell are you getting this angle from your desk? Shouldn't we see like a bit of the window in there? How come like nobody's ever held binoculars this still in their entire lives? This is obviously <laughs> just a steady cam, right? Like you're sorry, this is not a steady cam. This is obviously a tripod shot, right? Like no, mm -hmm. there, there's not a single person that has ever held binoculars that still ever. It's not possible. He's just moving like so, so steadily from side to side, getting impossible angles. And then when it just when the shot ends and it cuts to him in his chair, it's just like holding it barely, uh, not even like super, uh, super firmly in his hands. And it just, I literally just laughed out loud. I was like, because it, the reveal was almost like a punchline of like, holy shit, that's actually what the intention was here. Like, oh my god, I was like searching for, I was searching for excuses for why why this shot would look like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, I guess I was supposed to believe this here. Yeah. So yeah, call me a nitpicker, whatever, but I like to see films, especially ones with this tone and these implications of like, yes, I'm a seven hour movie. I would like to see precision. I would like to see control and, uh, you know, some sort of meticulous design from the director. And I just don't get that from this director. So sorry, fans of this director. I'll give him one more chance with uh, Workmeister Harmonies, but after that, I'm done. I'm never watching a bill. <laughs> I, sh I don't know. If the fact that I'm willing to even watch one more is, you know, more than yeah, more than he I, deserves. I will say, I, I do feel like there is precision there for those visuals, but as far as, like, a, a the camera movement, concerned, yeah. it's really... Yeah, yeah. Um, and sort of the staging and whatnot, there's some creative, really cool stuff in there. Yeah. Um, some of the weather effects were really There's a dope. quote I, I saw like from the director, actually, 
on um on this kind of note who said uh we have a story but i think the story is only a little part of the whole movie which kind of goes to show i guess the thought process of what he was going for and <laughs> just how yeah. little kind of plot there is and how much of it's one of those sort of experience movies and it is one of those movies where if you're inherently more willing to you're, you're looking for all these things to be like pushed and changed and to some people hypnosis. that's like it's almost like a challenge <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is almost like a form of hypnosis it is it's, it's messing with your head it's pushing with certain formulas that you're used to um mm-hmm. which are fun to see like pushed to this degree and so do you think it would just be better if it was trimmed down? <laughs> if it was just straight up? A fucking four-hour yeah. movie would be yeah, even so much hours, better. And it would still be... Even a five-hour movie. It would still, like, make its point about... You can you can still make your point about, like, the order of cinema and, you know, have the one scene yeah, yeah. be a uh, shot, reverse shot, while everything else is, like, slow and methodical. You can still retain that style without dragging mm-hmm. things out for so long i've seen so many movies that have that style <laughs> and are making that same point even some you know yeah, yeah. that don't need to be this long and again the length is not an issue it's the fact that the length isn't justified really at all it's the, they didn't yeah, it's they didn't use the length in any kind of useful purposeful meaningful way that you know couldn't be done the same with a five-hour movie so yeah casino is one of my favorite movies that movie's three hours long very different film, much faster paced, but mm-hmm. same, like, you know, I don't mind a long movie or a show. I just thought this was a little out there for me. That's my experience, though. Like, I like watching it all the way through. I don't think, I don't even know if it's designed to be viewed that way. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like designed to kind of not be enjoyable in a weird way. But that's also where its value <laughs> lies. <laughs> it's really, yeah. Yeah. really interesting in yeah. that way. That's a piece of art, yeah. It's valuable to some extent. Yeah. I mean I can I can see how some people could really connect with this director. Like if I believed that everything that Baylatard was doing was genuine, then maybe sure, but I don't know. He lies about the cat shit. He lies about his hairline. He's just like <laughs> an, a dishonest director, you know. <laughs> I'd probably watch Gene Dealman over this. Hell yeah. Just because it's shorter. I, there's a billion reasons why I would watch Jean Dealman. Yeah. Over there's this. a few reasons. It's much it's much more well made. Yeah, in some ways, yeah. <laughs> There's much more to read into even, honestly, thematically. But again, like who knows? Like this is the problem with this movie is like it's a film that I feel like I could get more out of on a second watch for the reasons that I enjoy it. And as I, you know, before I started ranting and and yelling about the movie, I was saying some positive things and noting uh, some of the thematic and purposeful shots, blah, 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 blah. I could get more out Mm. of this movie by watching it a second time, but it's, abrasive nature is preventing me from ever wanting to do that like i'm you can't i'm not i'm never gonna watch this movie a second time it was a it was not just a chore it was painful it was genuinely painful for me to get through i can't believe i can't believe people can listen to the same music loop over and over and over like that and not. (laughs) i don't understand if people just don't if there's like a sense missing or if i'm just hypersensitive to something like I, i really genuinely don't understand but it's like hell for me. It is asking a lot of the audience. I, I do struggle in terms of, unless you have like a movie podcast where you can recommend it to like movie fans who are willing yeah. to dive into something like this. 
you know, they have to acknowledge that fact that, I mean, look, look at how many ratings it has on IMDb. It's got like 10,000 ratings. Like it's inherently going to put people off. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily, you know. Well, yeah, this is his yeah, masterpiece. And like, still barely anyone's seen it. <laughs> Whatever. Five out of ten. <laughs> a lot of things about it that I really respect and admire. A lot to read into about it. Pretty ballsy, ambitious, but just one of the worst experiences I could sit through. And I'm <laughs> never going to watch it again. And half of it was bullshit and people are reading into it too much. Five <laughs> out of ten. I definitely liked it more than you. Um... I'm more on a uh, three star or a three and a half star from this. I feel like it it, it reaches really high highs, uh, but it also does does drag, and I'm I'm still I'm not fully sold on that that runtime. It, it yeah. is it is asking just so much of the audience. So. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like you know, we've seen films like Come and See, which deal with like extremely heavy subject matter in political times, which are you know, heavy and get across the similar kind of tone or if you're looking for environments and kind of interesting shots like this, you could watch like a stalker, you know, which is rooted in a, you know, a similar kind of background too. So um, it just doesn't reach the heights of what it like could go for. Uh, but I don't know. I, 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 a lot of the imagery is like ingrained into my head at this point and I am thinking about it more and more, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I'm I'm stuck on how, just how attached I, or how much I am putting on it, as you were saying, and how much <laughs> the, the the community for this film is like imposing things onto it because of the open nature and its open yeah. structure and its kind of lack of a clear plot and the the traditional elements you'd expect from a from a narrative. But yeah, anyone who's read the book, let me know in the comments. I'm I'm curious if uh, mm -hmm. some of these criticisms are addressed or whatnot kind of defines a rating for me <laughs> this yeah. one um i'd probably be around you guys five or six out of ten yeah i just don't feel strongly about it and mm -hmm. yeah i'm like in the middle of you two somewhere yeah, yeah that, that's it yeah. i mean it's, it's fucking seven hours long like holy shit honestly yeah whatever <laughs> we it was on your watch list already i'm glad we got to see it it was it was yeah absolutely you had to pull the band-aid off at some point you know yeah, I'm really glad <laughs> it took I watched seven it hours, but <laughs> uh, you yeah, had to do I it. I can't say I was paying attention like all the way. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you either. Yeah, I was I was honestly hoping for something a bit more um, less boring. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you could like take a nap and wake up, and it would still be on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not that I did. I'm not just saying. Well, yeah. They, actually, going back to something um you mentioned earlier, Ralph, in terms of um describing it as an epic, I would say it's it's kind of epic uh, directing. Yeah, for sure. But the, the story is actually quite it's fairly small scale, which I wasn't expecting because reading kind of the descriptions of it being like about the fall of communism around that time, I thought it was going to be way more like an epic and that kind of scale about maybe the politics of the time or. You know, not for it to be as sort of vague as it wound up being, <laughs> and kind of oh. meandering on purpose type thing. It's epic in its length. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It has a sense of epicness. Maybe it doesn't live up to it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting recommendation. Yeah, yeah. Had I'm to really do it. I've seen it. Sure. Had to fucking do it. <laughs> Had to.
Question time. Okay, let's, let's do, do some questions from the Sardonicast community. If you want to leave your own questions for us to answer, head over to the subreddit where there is a suggestion thread where you can ask whatever you feel like. Just like Candied Unicorn did. He says, what are your thoughts on the great lengths people went to try and figure out major plot and character details for Spider-Man No Way Home? Personally, I don't see the point in watching the trailers for a movie I already know I'm going to see, but it seems like some people just want to read an entire plot synopsis in advance. Mm-hmm. Some people are so excited. I understand that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not weird. Not so much now, but when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I got really excited for movies. I'd yeah, watch the trailers a lot. It's just like, I don't know. They like Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man's a very marketable character. I mean, you can't blame people. Like, I understand it. Does this come from like the fan culture of like breaking down trailers and sharing all these screenshots? The movie anything, wants you to like... do it. <laughs> so Yeah, I don't really mind it. Yeah, the movie wants you to do it, right? That's why they're like making these things public. Because they want yeah. a reaction, right? Yeah, I don't I don't really have an issue with it. Yeah, I I don't understand people who uh read scripts for things that aren't out yet that they're going to see anyway. That's a weird one to me. Or like plot leaks or whatever? People who read, like, yeah, the Hateful Eight script when that yeah, like stuff. Eight. And... It's like, what are you excited for then? If, yeah. if you're not... <laughs> like, I don't know. It's so weird. Well, so, yeah, mm-hmm. there are people that, like, will search out spoilers for themselves. They like spoilers. They want things spoiled before they watch something. Yeah. It's like a type of person. It's... I'm just the total opposite. I, I just the, the 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 like less stuff you know about the story, the more chances it has to surprise you. Especially with how bad like so much marketing is, and especially how bad the marketing is for these Spider-Man movies in particular. I think Sony's really yeah. terrible for it, like specifically. Yeah, yeah. their posters are the worst. <laughs> I don't know who's in charge of that. Is it if it's Marvel or Sony? Their posters are the worst. All their trailers are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. The Spider-Man give away too much. <laughs> yeah. I don't I'm not a big fan of the suit. Yeah. It looks bad. The original suit looks better. The original suit's better. Yeah. Toby Maguire one. Yeah. Yeah, the Toby one is top it's top tier. Mm. Yeah, they gave him they gave Spider Man the uh the Deadpool eyes. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind that aspect. I mind yeah, it just I looks a little Deadpool too cartoonish. Eyes. The suit the suit looks too cartoonish. Like it looks CG even when it isn't. It always looks CG, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. look like present in the environment. Yeah. It's really distracting. Though the original one's really fucking cool, that suit. <laughs> it's like fucking awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like the only way to describe the Spider Man suit, like the original one. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfect. Okay. People are excited for the movie. And it's we'll talk about it next episode because we're recording this episode and the next one fairly early because Christmas mm-hmm. stuff. Quandale Dingle has one for us. What are your thoughts on Taika Waititi adapting the Incal graphic novel by Jodorowsky oh, yeah. into film? If you guys do not know, the graphic novel is a lot of Jodorowsky utilizing all his unused ideas for his unmade Dune film. Do you ever think anything will come of this? I feel like Taika Waititi keeps being attached to these big projects that just kind of go nowhere or fall Uh, through. When was the last time that happened? Wasn't he attached to Akira? Oh, was he? He did an Akira. He was supposed to be doing like a live action Akira. Yeah, Uh, that's weird. But isn't that? That is weird, isn't it? I I don't think that's gone anywhere. I don't even think he's like the best director like anyway really. like so no. if i hear him attached <laughs> to like a hodorowski concept no offense alex i'm sorry <laughs> uh, no i'm kind of I've, I've i know he's a too. kiwi yeah. like i'm just i'm not particularly excited for yeah i'm not particularly excited for 
a Taika Waititi adaptation of a Hodorowski concept. That doesn't sound like something mm-hmm. that jumps out to me as like, oh, this will be great. Yeah, you know, I'll watch it. Yeah, especially <laughs> if it's a graphic novel. I'd want to see someone with more of an animation background, maybe. Mm-hmm. Do it or... Yeah, I'm not even saying this condescending. Like, just Taika Waititi, stick to the Thor movies. I mean, you got a good gig there. <laughs> just mm-hmm. make Thor movies. <laughs> Forever. Uh, why does he have, and to, Jojo why does Rabbit. He have to do anything else? <laughs> stick, stick to being Hitler. <laughs> stick to being Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i forgot he did that movie that's good yeah it's kind of a shame if it's but if it's the only way that this um graphic novel will see the big screen then i suppose i can get behind it is it even being turned into a film oh yeah i suppose they're just saying adapting it yeah. might be like some it could be like a web series <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it, yeah web... <laughs> it's just an imdb web series hidden away oh. yeah i don't know it, i'm not inherently turned on to the idea just because of with Titi's name being thrown in the bucket. Yeah. I haven't read the... Yeah. I, I don't even there. think it's going to happen. It could, but... Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I think it'll go the way of the Akira movie. And he should just make Thor... Thor... Is it Thor 3 or 4? Thor 4. Thor <laughs> Just make Thor. Thors. <laughs> just do Thors. That's it. <laughs> That's all you need to do. <laughs> For Thor. Just make Thor. Yeah. We have uh, this one here from Goodbye to the Beat. Um, which is a bit shocking. Hey guys, I discovered the show after I was arrested for possession and had to do many hours of service work for the county jail. I live in a state where incarceration is basically a replacement for rehabilitation. Anyways, during my service hours, I listened to every episode of Sardonicast that was out at the time. Jesus Christ. And I can confidently say it really helped me get through some tough times. What's it like being in a position where your work can affect people in deeply positive ways? That you couldn't imagine or predict. Does it affect your work or audience interaction in any way? Love from Texas. No, Holy shit. Feel good. Yeah, I was going to say, where is he from? Texas. Yeah, fucking, that's fucked up. <laughs> that is fucked up. Um, Possession yeah, of what? Because if, if it's weed, then it's yeah. like, oh, I feel bad. Yeah, if it's yes. child it's porn, then I'm like, get back in jail. If you're a possession of a We're going to assume they were talking about weed. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw that accusation. I'm just making a hypothetical. Some drugs or something. I think that's funny. Yeah, I assume the same thing. Fuck. Let's assume it's weed. Clearly, it makes us feel great. I don't know. Yeah, it makes me feel great that People watch a show and, and and they look forward to it and they're happy listening to it and it distracts them from like the aspects of the lives they may not find so great. <laughs> so yeah. I mean mm-hmm. that's great and I I hope his service is up or it's done or it's up soon. I, I didn't hear the whole question exactly, but mm-hmm. yeah, I hope he's hopefully done with that shit soon because <laughs> yeah. that's kind of fucked up. Yeah, it's the worldly nature of it. I like mm-hmm. just you know your voice going all around the world and people from. All different backgrounds hearing it and getting little anecdotes like this are like, wow, that's uh, that's some crazy stuff. Yeah, it's it's uh, I think it's particularly fitting for like the podcast format, too, because people can live their lives while incorporating that. I mean, some people say that they do that to my YMS reviews. I would prefer for people to watch them because I put a lot of work into the visual aspect of it, but Mm -hmm. you can't force people to watch something in the way that you want them to. Sorry, David Lynch and who else? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) A bunch of people. Yeah, the, the, the podcast format helps that out a lot. And I don't make it with that in mind. I don't think like, 
yes, I am providing therapy for someone right now. But it is a nice thing to know. Mm. My music, I would say, is the exception to that, where it literally is therapy. But that's more for me. And the ex, you know, if other people get that out of it too, then that's that's a good thing. But it's not necessarily for not necessarily for other people. But I do have that in mind with my music, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Alex C has one for us. Hey gang, I recently saw the list of the top five highest grossing films of the year. They are number one, The Battle at Lake Shangjin, a Chinese film. Number two, Hai Mom, a Chinese film. Number three, No Time to Die, James Bond. Mm-hmm. Number four, F9, The Fast Saga. And number five, Detective Chinatown 3, a Chinese film. So yeah. in the top five highest grossing films worldwide, three are mainland Chinese. How do all of you feel about this? And does this say anything about the current state of Hollywood today? Well, those three films weren't made in Hollywood then. I mean, but I you can draw conclusions about what Hollywood is catering towards now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have any of you guys seen this Battle of Lake Shangjin uh, no. movie yet? I've, no, no. I've heard about no. it. So did are these like Hollywood produced movies? And they're like, no. or they made in China? I guess China? they're asking, yeah, what it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, think they're they asking about the implications you know, for Hollywood. Yeah, China has China has its own like industry now, and um, obviously, yep. a huge population of people go see movies, right? Um, so that's part of it. They've embraced capitalism while pretending to embrace communism. <laughs> mm-hmm. They turned the blinker <laughs> left and then made a right turn. So yeah, they're a part of the global market for films. There's a gigantic Chinese population. Uh, a lot of them watch movies. Yeah. And so, yeah, if the objective is to make money, then you you cater towards that audience. If the, you know, Netflix is trying to make a movie for that a bunch of Americans want to see, they put the Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and Gal Gadot in it, and it works, you know? Mm-hmm. The types of things I yeah. want to see and experience are rarely the... Uh, the uh, same as everybody else's. So don't <laughs> I'm glad see a you lot brought up Red Notice. Me. That that shows like I mean American culture and people in America, or just like Western culture, it's very different now. We have mm-hmm. streaming and we watch movies on streaming. Like like that Red Notice movie that might have been one of the highest grossing movies of the year at some point, but instead it's on Netflix and people digest it that way through streaming. Mm-hmm. And then many movies come out that way in TV, and you know maybe in in China it's not the same way. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. um, but there's definitely like is a huge presence of that in America with Disney plus and Amazon and all that, those tech companies, um, kind of pushing their stuff too. Uh, they're, they're in competition with Hollywood also, you know, Hollywood has a lot of competition. I think that's, it's not like they're the only game in town anymore. Like they were for a long time. <laughs> and like, yeah. they're, they're the only ones making movies, you know, it was, it's not just like those, those major studios anymore, like Warner brothers and, and Disney and, uh, whatever, 20th century Fox, it's a little more, um, competition now mm-hmm. what do you think this means for the future is is every movie good like every like big budget movie going to be made for china it at least with them in mind i mean it's not even the future it's just currently happening <laughs> yeah i feel like that began 10 plus years ago right and just even like even different cultures in different countries like uh chris nolan talked about how much he loved filming in india for 10 mm-hmm. Like he might make a movie in India. He might make a Bollywood movie. You know, like who the fuck knows? He like make maybe somewhere down the road. <laughs> he could, you know. But it, it shows it shows the um, you know, where audiences are and what kind of audiences want to go to theaters specifically, and you know, mm. the kind of movies you make for that theater experience. You know, it's very different now. Those we're 
uh, us, we're more like uh, watching movies on streaming. We like dramas. We like an action movie too, but you know, uh, a theater movie is usually yeah. very like sensational, high budget kind of stuff. Mm. And I think I think that does really well in China now. Yeah, I'm I'm really um, hoping and like if I if I see one type of movie that I want being pushed by Hollywood and China, I want to see a lot of money in seven hour long black and white films i think that would be a really good way to take the market if if the top five yeah. grossing movies of the year were all seven plus hour black and white art house films i think people would be happier yeah no yeah i think you're right <laughs> yeah uh this year there was a lot of like uh chinese films in you know america like through the hollywood system like shang chi eternals directed by chloe Zhao. Those um, aren't mm-hmm. which we had criticism. Chinese those, films. No, those aren't Chinese, but they're like <laughs> they have Chinese actors in them or Chinese yeah, directors. They're made with the market in mind. Like fucking yeah. Mulan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mulan was a battle. Oh, it's even just like Hollywood accepting China into its, you know, into its grasp or whatever whatever you want to say. But yeah, it's like these Chinese you see the Chinese film influence in American movies with Eternals and with Shang Chi. I'd say Shang Chi's much better. I think Eternals is a piece of shit. Uh that's me yeah so it's definitely it's definitely impacting things i think it'll impact things more in the future yeah we're seeing it already yeah yeah need more data more time to pass yeah i'm interested to see how things go i mean like as a person that doesn't live in the united states i already see discrepancies in terms of like what films are marketed here versus like you know i can drive three hours south get to seattle and I see movie theaters playing like weird, like religious movies, you know, <laughs> like, like, right. uh, yeah, yeah. what was that? Heaven is for mm-hmm. real or God's not dead. Like yeah. those movies, like they don't even try <laughs> to put them in Canadian theaters for the most part. Like dead. you don't see marketing for them here. It's just like, yeah. oh, this is, this is America. Tyler Perry movies. That's another one. Those are American <laughs> movies, you know? So like there's already like discrepancies in, in terms of like what films are popular in what countries it is. I guess just a newer thing to have American movies trying to, I guess, be sellable in multiple markets at once. And then you see things like Disney yeah. censoring, uh, you know, no ghosts, no gays sort of thing. Right. For China. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Chinese Chinese movies overtaking Hollywood movies in the box office like we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Fucking um, I Zhao think a China. lot of like... You know, like American people or audiences, maybe they're afraid of getting sick because of COVID, all that. I'm sure that's affected theaters over the past couple of years. I think Alex said, like, people start deaning in a, a theater. It's kind of an outdated concept now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that, mm-hmm. I, I definitely get that. I don't know how it is in China, though. It could be a completely different environment. Uh, who the fuck knows? I, I'm not from there. Yeah. Clearly, people aren't deterred from going to a theater in China because movies are making fucking ton of money. <laughs> yeah, tons of money. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck's going they on. They probably have like also very stringent, uh, not only vaccine uh, and mask protocols, they probably take everybody's temperature going into the movie and like scan their oh, ID yeah, and social credit score it, yeah. to the point where it's like yeah, sure. their rights are being taken away. But it's that's probably yeah. how they're doing it. You know, like I've yeah. seen some clips of people right. in China, like even to get to like some outdoor venue you have to get like your temperature checked and show your thing and like it's like this is outside <laughs> but <laughs> yeah then they have like special built like social media like platforms just for like china mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff it's all very scary <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh the season three premiere of uh 
Black Mirror with Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Yeah, basically. Well, uh, while we're on this uh, topic, there's this one from a fretful porcupine who says, Hey, boys, have you ever seen any movies in theater in a foreign country and experienced something different you wouldn't in your own countries? Here's an anecdote for you. I went to Bangkok a few years back and went to a theater to see Dunkirk. Right before the movie started, the audience was made to stand up in honor of the recently deceased king, which was strange for an American-Mexican dual citizen like me. I also saw an old white man walk in with a Thai boy who couldn't have been older than 15. Lord knows what they're up to. Holy shit. (laughs) Jesus. Holy fuck. (laughs) That's terrible. I haven't experienced something that crazy, Um, but... I saw, yeah, it was that second Spider-Man movie when I was in, like, Greece or something. And it just, they'd mistranslated the titles, so instead of Far From Home, it was, like, Spider-Man nice. away from his place, which was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, certain American theaters, they have, like, fucking beds in them, basically. Some of the AMCs, is just, like, a level of comfort and luxury that should not exist. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, I've seen a few. Movies. And then the, um, uh, what's it called? The Alamo Drafthouse Cinema. Love that. But yeah, mostly just in terms of like the consumerist aspect, I would say in America. I don't know if audiences are that radically different than uh, Canada for uh, watching the film. Mm-hmm. Have you never been to like, a, what's the what's the clapping situation like in Canada? Does it depend on the movie? Because it's like very rare to get a reaction, but the vibe I get is that you get way more uh, engagement in an American crowd. Yeah, American yeah. crowds do more clapping, and it's mostly for like superhero movies. Like I was actually imagining, right. I don't know if I told you this or, <laughs> or not, but I was imagining when I was watching um, uh, Spencer with uh, Twilight. Mm-hmm. What's her name? Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. I was imagining, because like, she's a Twilight girl, and we had just gotten out of seeing, I think we were seeing Eternals the same day. I don't remember. But I was just imagining, like, what if we swapped audiences here and the expectations? And as soon as Kristen Stewart jumps <laughs> yeah. on the screen in Spencer, people go like, woo! Like, I was just, I really wanted to do that, but I didn't. I held I held myself back. That would, I, I didn't want to disturb the movie for people. But I was just like, yeah, it's, it's not just certain audiences, but it's certain types of films, too. It draws a certain type of crowd. Uh, yeah, superhero that's, movies, that's you're going to see that a lot more of that in. I've never been to a theater outside of America, I don't think. Mm. They don't speak... Uh, I've been to, like, Mexico, um, Italy. They don't speak English. Like, why would I go see a movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's probably fucking, like, a different language. Well, some of them are American <laughs> movies. They'll just have Spanish subtitles or something. Yeah, they'll maybe put the subtitles, but, you know, I wasn't sure. If just I ever visited... Sure uh, accidentally see a dub. If I go to Canada again, or um, or if I ever go to London, like, yeah, I'd go see a movie there like an english speaking country mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You, you gotta make sure you don't go into a theater that has the uh, british dub though because you'll need <laughs> that just makes it's english but it's just much harder <laughs> to understand <Yeah. laughs> oh, that'd be so good british dubs get on it alex you can make a killing so dub uh, satan tango yeah <laughs> yeah do it okay let's do this one from cynic doki 239 Excluding the bad slash mare ones in Mississippi Grind, which A24 movie would The Rock and slash or Ryan Reynolds fit best in? No, they cannot be background characters slash extras. They can either play a new character or replace one of the current actors. Example, Ryan Reynolds can play a new character in Good Time or replace Robert Pattinson as Colin Nichols. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you, if you took... Funny. 
Dwayne Johnson and made him the cow in First Cow, it would be a better movie. <laughs> what about The Lighthouse with The Rock and fucking... Oh, Ryan God. Reynolds. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, yeah, the fucking... Like, a good, like, duo. Pirate monologue with <laughs> Dwayne. Hark! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ooh, you like Swiss Army Man, yeah. Swiss Army Man with the two of them. Oh, or, <laughs> See, Swiss Army Man probably would work the best out of all those tone wise. Yeah, with them because it's more of a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Lighthouse is a comedy too, which is not a The Witch. Yeah. No, we'll make a uh, make Ryan Reynolds like Black Phillip or the Goat. <laughs> sure, you could do like a Midsummer one, like The Rock and. I'm going to replace Ryan Reynolds with Kevin Hart and have the like relationship drama be around them. Beefing. <laughs> In what? Midsummer. Yeah. That's a good one. Sure. Yeah. But Kevin Hart doesn't want to play a gay character because people will think he's gay. <laughs> oh, shit. You're right. I forgot so you about can't that. have that. Okay. Ryan Reynolds. It has to be Ryan Reynolds then. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. I think we got time for one more. Okay. Let's end on this one from Buster Was a Great Dog. What's the funniest reaction you've gotten after telling someone what you do for work? <laughs> hmm. I'll often just lie and say I'm in IT, and people quickly stop asking questions. That's <laughs> funny. Quickly end it. That's, <laughs> that's a good little trick if you ever want to escape. Um, that's a good one. That's a good one, yeah. Um, yeah, I say like I do podcasting, that's it. Mm. <laughs> I just leave it there. Yeah. Sometimes I just say like I, <laughs> I'm a YouTuber. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see YouTube that too. Videos. But I just, yeah, I feel like once that comes out, then the questions begin. So it's like a whole, you know, d- depending on who you're talking to, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a very un, uh, uncommon position. <laughs> like, how do you do mm-hmm. YouTube? What do you do? How do you make money? Yeah, <laughs> the like, oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The landslide begins. Yeah. yeah. Usually very I, complicated. I would like to. I would like to have this same. I would. I would like to be a fly on the wall for the same conversation, but Mr. Avocado explaining what he does on <laughs> YouTube. Yeah, I eat and cry <laughs> <laughs> and fart <laughs> and yell. We should yeah, have him as a guest. Mention him a lot. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, what do you think his favorite movie is? That's a great question. I. I don't know if uh, Mr. Avocado has time for movies and is busy eating he's and never crying seen and a farting single schedule. Movie. <laughs> It's just he chef. seems, he seems like he's got his schedule packed as it is. <laughs> Super size me chef. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've never gotten like a super funny reaction or anything. Occasionally somebody will be like, they'll it it it'll be really clear that they're just like, oh, that's so easy. And I won't say anything, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, oh, well, why don't you do it? Yeah, what do are you it doing? It's so easy. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Just do it then. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. Do you guys have anything else to say? That's it. No, I think I'm good. I guess not. <laughs> Buzzinga. All right. It's Ralph's it. turn to recommend a film. And it's not going to be it's seven hours turn. because we only have a week to watch it because we're recording some stuff early because of Christmas. Uh, that's the reason why we did a seven hour one last time, by the way, everybody who was commenting, how come we weren't allowed to recommend trilogies for the, <laughs> for the episode 100, but I, Adam recommended oh, right, a seven yeah, hour, it it's like, how, yeah, well, sometimes we have more time than other times and I'm not going to, I wasn't about to watch 
There were two recommendations. We could have had two it's trilogies. It's not their podcast. It was, yeah, sorry, it's not, podcast. It's not I didn't your want to watch podcast. six movies while I'm trying to show Alex my hometown or whatever. Yeah. All right. But anyway. Yeah. Go for it, Ralph. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna recommend a light one for everybody. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine and me talk about this for a while. Perfect. Like, yeah, I should recommend it. We're gonna recommend Supergirl <laughs> from 1984. Okay. Supergirl. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. From 84, you say? Yeah. Okay, I found it. 1984. Faye Dunaway. Oh, this, yeah. this looks spicy. Okay, cool. I'm hyped, actually. <laughs> the legend 4.4 IMDb, 42 Metascore. This looks dope. The superior movie that started it all. <laughs> 1.9 on Letterboxd. Hell yeah. Okay, this looks fun. I'm excited. It says it all. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. Ralph coming in to save us from another <laughs> shot and tongle. From Bellatar um, or whatever. Yeah, another ba- Bellatar film. <laughs> be a superhero movie double episode then. Oh right? my god, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about uh, Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man next week also. Maybe, I don't know. We only have a week, but we'll all see it before then. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be spoiled for 1984 Supergirl, watch it for the next episode. These episodes come out every two weeks. You can listen to them early as they're edited by going to patreon.com slash sardonicast or sardonicast.com and sign up for premium. Only $2 a month. Also, we got merch and Christmas is coming very soon. Holy crap. By the time this episode's out, it'll like pretty much be... <laughs> I think it'll be oh after God, Christmas, but never mind. Oh, We're recording some stuff. Go? We're... I've given you plenty of warning. You should have bought it already, okay? It's your fault if, you're... if your nephew is going to cry <laughs> right now because they don't have the Sardonicast t-shirt. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, thanks for watching. Mm. Happy Shrek. I know Kung Fu. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.